Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gestalten Podcast. My name is Martin Groschwald. And before we get into this episode's guest, we are now going to be working on the podcast in seasons. So that means we're not going to have just random guests or like, you know, guests that are working within the car design world, but we have curated guests for a very curated topic. So all of these seasons that you're going to listen to at some point this year will be about a very specific topic that is playing a current role within the car design world. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome you all to this episode of our season, Women in Car Design, and also to welcome uh, Claudia Brown. Claudia might be known to quite a lot of people within the industry. She used to be the head of CMF design for Rivian, Volvo, Polestar, Porsche, as well as Mercedes. And so she had quite a bit of experience with quite a few leaders within the industry as well. And uh, she has also been a part of the consulting team here at uh, Concept House. So in that said, a very warm welcome, Claudia Braun. Hello, Claudia. Hi, Martin. Thank you very much for having me. Anytime, anytime. So, Claudia, the this season of the Gestaltung podcast is about women in car design. Now, you've been in this industry for a few years now. You've seen quite a lot of things as well. But before we get into that, why don't you share a little bit with the people where you come from, what you've done so far, and uh, yeah, just a little bit about your entry-level experience so far. Yeah, my first experience in the car industry was with Smart. That was really a nice time. So a lot of young, really skilled designers working together. We were wearing sneakers. We were very creative. It was a lot of fun. And um, I was I, I made an intern in Smart and I was a working student there. And afterwards, I worked uh, via an external design company there at Smart. And I was responsible for exterior color, which was really great. I, I was allowed to mix my own colors. So <laughs> and we also we, we, we made really crazy things. So um, that was really the fun factor, I would say, which um, kind of led me into the car industry. And also the feeling as a CMF designer to be responsible for the complete car, exterior color, interior colors, how it matches everything together. So that's a, a great thing. And I, it was a very inspiring and, and cool team there. And yeah, after that time, I joined Porsche for eight years. I've been there as a CMF designer, also with a focus on exterior colors, exterior differentiation wheels, but also responsible for the, the interior colors and materials for the Cayenne and later a little bit Macan. And of course, Porsche was great because of all these fantastic editions. So that was, mm -hmm. was really a great time. And we were a really small team at that time, um, I think four people. So it was also um, for me a good learning. So I've learned everything from the very creative part, but also material development side and color matching in the light cabin at the production side. So I learned nearly everything there. And after, after my time at Porsche, I joined uh, Mercedes as a creative team leader. Um, with a really nice team there and after one year I became head of department so I had from one day to the other over 30 people in, in Sintelfing <laughs> I think we were like 34 or something like that and um, yeah also um, a very cool a creative advanced team in, in Como there were also some interior and CMF designers there I hired someone for um, America for the satellite studio in Carlsbad 
And um, I hired a person for China and that was really great. So when I was driving to uh, work in the morning, I had my call with China in the evening with the US. And in between, I, I led the complete CMF team and was great because we were responsible for show cars, advanced projects, mm -hmm. but also for all production cars, um, all Mercedes cars from A-class to S-class, but also smart trucks, vans, so everything. And I, I really loved it. And um for me it was was fantastic to see um how i act because i was not used to be a leader of that such a big team so that was was really great well after that time i always wanted to live abroad so i joined volvo and polestar for two years which was also great so polestar precept for example or x90 and x30 um, was happening during that time sweden was a very great inspiration for me mm -hmm. also when it comes to leadership and I joined Rivian after that time, um, which was a startup. Again, something completely different. So um, I, I would say I have experienced nearly everything. Yeah. Yeah, was was cool. And now, obviously, um, without doing a little bit of too much, you know, self-advertisement here, you're obviously now with us at Concept House. So experience something completely different. Um, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I am very happy to hear that. But uh, so let's... Let's talk about your early beginnings in that sense, because, um, you know, I always find it fascinating when I talk to, let's call them the boys, a lot of them come up to me and say like, oh, I always wanted to be a car designer. I loved cars from the very early beginning. You know, there was a very early affinity to this kind of topic of vehicles as well. Now, how was this for you? Because, you know, women is still a very underrepresented, uh, you know, part within the car design world in general. But was it always the dream for you to go into this car design world or did you fall into it? Or like how how did you how did you get your started smart back then? Or like, you know, even the internship going? Yeah, this is really an interesting question. And it's not so clear than for the most men it has been probably. I I was always interested in cars, but not the way like the typical car guys. I would say my grandfather was always like working on his cars. My uncle, my father, everyone did nearly everything uh, themselves when it comes to their cars. Everyone was really interested in cars. And I remember the time when I got my driver's license. This was the moment where I felt... Um, such a freedom and happiness to have my own space driving wherever I want and driving was always great for me I loved it and I I was all, always also really driving good cars I would say without, <laughs> without like reflecting why I have bought my first car very late but I I was driving cars from my parents friends and so on I, I had really always nice cars in in my life and I, I remember when I was in, in, in school, I think it was first or second grade, the teacher told us, yeah, um, paint a picture and explain what you would like to be when you are an, an adult, what profession you would like to have. And I, I painted a picture of a woman and I, wrote, I asked my teacher, how do, you, how do you spell designer? So I wanted to become a designer. No one knew why. It was just my dream. And I always thought a little bit more about fashion design mm -hmm. or something with textiles. Um, and 
yeah, it never changed. So when I when I started to study textile design, my parents they were a little bit upset because I think my father always hoped that um, I'm becoming an engineer. But unfortunately, <laughs> I was so bad in math that was not possible. So um, I was dreaming of becoming a designer, and I I got um, really a positive feedback from Pforzheim, so mm-hmm. I could go there for studying um, fashion design. And I, I got also the feedback from Stuttgart, from the Art Academy, that I can study textile design. So I had that was probably the most important and biggest decision in my life. Mm-hmm. It took me like some nights uh, to really think about it. I couldn't sleep anymore. And I decided to study textile design because I felt a little bit, it, it was a little bit more connected for me to really understanding how the construction of a textile works, how to print, how to weave, how to knit a textile. So I was very much into into that, not so much in like just using textiles for, for fashion and style, but it was a tough decision for me. And during my studies, um, I learned a lot about textiles, weaving, and also materials in general. Mm-hmm. And we had a fantastic um, um, prison there, uh, Karl Höing, who teached us, and he was com- completely against the car industry. <laughs> Funny wise, <laughs> many of, of the women who studied there with me are in the car industry, Audi, BMW, everywhere. So it was interesting, but we got such a good education about like seeing and, and evaluating colors and materials, getting a really good basement and knowledge perfect, perfectly, uh, um, I would say, teach for the car industry. Um, I, I was a bit bored after two years and a friend of mine, she came just uh, back from SMART from her internship. They're searching for new interns. Um, maybe that could be something for you. And um, yeah, and I, I thought, yeah, good idea. So let's try it out. So this was my, my entry. And then I, I realized, oh, cool, I can combine um, my love for cars and driving with my love for or my passion for um, design and that was the beginning and I, I really liked the idea to have also a little bit the control <laughs> <laughs> of the combination because if you're studying textile design you never know who's using your carpets or fabrics for yeah. furniture in, in which way and to having control about the things I'm doing this is what I, what I really liked very much yeah Fair enough. I mean, you know, I think the textile world in general, like you can do so many things, whereas the car is, I wouldn't want to say limited, but because of, you know, production direction, you, you have to know what you can use and, you know, not, not take too much time on the development overall, because, you know, have to know where you want to go. So it is probably a bit more limited. But was that also something is where you said when you first started, where you said, like, okay, I have the limitations, but the limitations, what makes it interesting or was there also something where you said just you know blindly going into this car world and and thinking about hey I can I can change a lot of things here because it's not going or it's not modern enough of what, how I think. Yeah, I I think limitation is is a really good driver for design. So I think if you get limits, no matter if it's from the financial side or if it's from like the development of materials or things, I think limitation always brings you to the next level of creativity. So I never saw it as a problem. For me, it was, it's of course a challenge, but I always felt, okay, I have these like pillars now of the limitation, but behind those pillars, it opened up again a new world for me. So I never saw it as a, as a problem, honestly. I, I know there are other designers who are really struggling with that. I saw that very often, but for me, it was just, I, I can definitely accept limitations if the limitations are not um based on 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 a real 
I would say, statement or a real case, then it makes no sense, of course. So if you get just limitations because someone is not like supporting you, then it's, of course, not, not really um, very yeah, interesting to think about it. But for me, limitations were never really uh, a, big, a big problem. Looking back a little bit, when you when you first started, so just go back after you did your internship and you said like, okay, cool, I can imagine staying in this world and from what I've seen right now. What was that like when you first came in and you actually started your professional career? So you were employed, you know, you were getting money for what you wanted to do. Was there a, you know, how to put it, like a naive kind of system of you going in and say like, wow, this is, you know, now the dream? Or were there also, you know, moments in your first year or first two years where you were just like, do I really want to stay here? Is there, you know, the culture is like, you know, am I being taken seriously and, and all these kind of things? Because in those first couple of years, there's a lot of thinking, I think, happening nowadays. Um, like, you know, where am I going to go? What, you know, do I really want to do this and everything? So that's, how was this for you? I think if I look at younger people today, they are sometimes a little bit overthinking. I definitely didn't overthink things, but I also really struggled with the situation that I was always dreaming of design and I don't know why. I had more like, many female designers around me in my vision <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably because i grew up with nearly only girls i i have always loved to uh, to be with uh, to be with boys i also was in the like a lot i spent a lot of time with skaters and all these guys and i i really love to be with like oh yeah in a very i would say diverse balanced world but I grew up with only girls um, at school. There were always girls. And when I thought about design, probably I had more this like vision of fashion design mm -hmm. where you have more a lot of female role models. I had an imagine, imagination of a female role model in my mind. <laughs> I, I came to the car industry and all the bosses are male. Um, the way of thinking was different than I have expected. Not good or bad, but I just realized I that I was really thinking okay it's a little bit different than i have expected i love to job the design working with other people with, with creative people um but the whole system and this like seriousness um which was sometimes necessary but sometimes also really not i i, I didn't really know how to how to deal with that so um i think we could have even more fun without this sometimes unnecessary um seriousness or ego thing you know what i mean <laughs> yeah let's 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 talk about that a little bit because um obviously it is still the case that i, I think from from all the studies that we've done let's say 85 90 percent of the people working within car design are male and probably most of the females are working within cmf there's very few people that are working within exterior design interior design modeling in diverse ways and and uh, you know visualization design project manage, management and all these kind of things now we come back to the topic of like okay what can we change in the future but for you moving up in your career so you mentioned you know going into this kind of team leading role at mercedes and everything like that did you have any role models on the way, people that you've learned from? Or were you more feeling, hey, I have to do this myself because I don't have that many women around me. I have the male around, or like, you know, the male bosses around me and the colleagues. And yeah, I can pick up some stuff for them, but it is also stuff I don't want to pick up because of how they deal with each other or treat with each other. How how was that for you in those years 
going up to you know, or leading up to the the team lead position at Mercedes? Yes, it's really interesting because there was no female role model. I and I honestly I don't think that I was searching so much for it because it was clear there is no one else. Um, it was more the opposite side that when I started as a team leader there and then I became head of department. Um, another young woman told me, yeah, she's pregnant and she knows that when I came back after my first pregnancy already after four months when I was working at Porsche and you are our role model, I said, hey, wait a minute, stop. I would never do that again. You have to spend some time with the kids as well. And my, yeah, my whole career, I would say also having kids, there was no real plan behind it. So it just happened. I, when I got my first child, everyone told me you will destroy your career, but I didn't care because I just wanted to have kids. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> and having kids also supports you in like being clear in what you accept or not, because you also have to educate your kids and you have to help them to become uh, a good person yeah. somehow. So it, I think it, it was like the two things that I was a mom. It was difficult, but it was also helpful. And on the other hand, I had, of course, also some really fantastic bosses. I had also some bosses which did their way of leading people um, not in a way that I liked it. So, mm -hmm. of course, you also learn from things which are negative, exactly as you mentioned. But, yeah, it's difficult, I think, for young women to have really a, a good female role model. There aren't many and this is still a big challenge. And I'm, I think if you are a male leader, you cannot really understand what happens there. Mm -hmm. Because if you, for example, you're working a lot and the board members are coming again late in the evening and you know you have to uh, pick up your kids and you just say like, oh, today it's really difficult and challenging for me because I thought I can pick up my kids. I don't know how to deal with that now and I have to stay here because of the board. And your colleagues are saying, yeah, but that's your decision. You could also stay at home because you're a mom. My wife stayed at home. And then I just said, okay, and you think for your daughters, it's also the right thing because they're studying. You, I, I'm sure you want them to get a good job and maybe becoming a leader as well. So I had those situations, of course, where I realized this like old school thinking men are talking to me in a way that I'm getting really upset in a way, but I always try to deal with that in, 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 in a calm way, mm -hmm. not reacting like angry, because I think everyone is a child of the society you grow up. Yeah. But it's, of course, really challenging. So there are situations where you feel like, I would like to have some support, please. And interesting, the interesting thing is, the higher the level was of people I talked to, like the board level or the highest head of design, they always had more understanding of a situation. They were more open to giving you chances. For example, I at Mercedes, I got my my um, role as creative team leader when I came from Porsche. I had two little children mm -hmm. and I said, okay, I want to do that job, but I'm going to do it, do it part-time. And that was probably unique. First of all, a woman coming with two little children and being allowed to do this job part-time. You can imagine he was supportive, <laughs> but the people on the same level, they were not so happy about that situation. There was not so much support all the time. That takes time for the people to see if you're really skilled, if you know your job, if you know what you're doing. And, and of, on top of that, you have to deal with the situation that you have to lead a, a team. Yeah. And this is also something I, I was not used to. So I really had to trust myself. And 
in the very early beginning, I had to make a really big decision. And the decision is, and this is, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, I think you have to make a decision if you're showing you yourself in an honest way so mm -hmm. that you're real or if you're playing the role of the boss. Mm -hmm. And I decided to be real because I had no other chance. I had two children. I had to struggle with a lot yeah. of difficult situations. And I wanted to deliver the greatest design ever with the best team ever. So you have to be really honest. And I think this was the solution. And no matter if someone like answered me in a not so nice way, I just continue to stay real. Yeah. I want to dig into this topic of... Um, support a little bit um because that's obviously something that i think we hear a lot from from women wanting to move this kind of career ladder which is it's more like either or than and you know it's either career or kids but it's never really that kind of topic of end um you mentioned there was little support but where did the support that you had in that sense really come from was it the highest level bosses was it outside was it people that you were looking for um to to speak to and how they have managed or was it literally just like okay i have to find a way by myself because there wasn't anybody at that time to to do it how 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 did you manage to get through with this because also mentally that must have been yeah. not an easy situation no i think mentally i would say it was more in my private life that i got support from from my husband at that time he supported me a lot and he was already in a leadership role and i think he was always already balancing this like male and female leadership thing in a very good way um we are divorced now but still friends and i really i'm thankful that i learned a lot from him and i would also say uh, it helped me a lot to see that i i think during my mercedes time it was one meeting i couldn't join with the board and um my really, uh, I had really a wonderful woman in my team, a team leader, and she took over this meeting. And I told her, just tell the board, my son is sick, I can't be here. And I don't know what's happening, but I know you will do a good job. I mm. trust you. And this is what I also learned. I had to trust my team. And I did. And it worked out very well. And she told the board, well, she's not able to be here. Her son is uh, sick. And next day, next day I'm, I was back in the office and I met all these board members uh, in front of the door and they asked me how how is your son mm -hmm. and this showed me it's okay it's okay and if there are other people who are like dealing differently with this situation it's their problem not mine but of course it's if it's difficult really mentally yeah and and um I think I'm a very strong person. I grew up with a very strong father and grandfather and they never made a difference between boys and girls. Mm -hmm. So I, I grew up with the understanding we are all similar. And later the society <laughs> is not, not true. So you have to fight for things. And um, But I, I always try to not to lose myself because if you end up in a situation where you feel like you have to fight constantly, mm -hmm. I think this is also not good for your character. So right. sometimes to really reflect, find time for yourself. I think for me, the most difficult thing was between children and leading roles in the automotive industry to find some time for myself. And for yeah. me, since I was driving a lot every day, I had nearly uh, between 45 hour, minutes and one hour drive. This was my time in the car, actually. So to listen to music and get some energy back. And and I haven't had enough time to to meet friends or 
um, to spend time with my family. That was that was definitely the negative aspect. But also, if you work in the design, it's so connected to your yeah. heart. So I loved my job, of course, and this gives energy gives energy back. And also my team. Yeah. As soon as the team is running in a good way, and you have every person in the right place. This is, I would say, after nearly one year, the energy comes back from the people. And that was, for me, the greatest experience. And no matter who came or no matter which boss were, was, like, happy or unhappy yeah. with my female leadership style, <laughs> that was really, really supportive. And I got always a very good feedback from my, my teams. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I love to trust people. I want to have really honest and open and transparent way of working and i think the people really appreciate that yeah it's funny that you say female leadership style yeah. has this ever been mentioned to you by by other colleagues so when you were you know a mercedes volvo you know in these kind of director positions then you know reporting directly also to the head of uh, design or even further than obviously a little bit later on with everything that happened at polestar has this ever been referred back to you this kind of hey you have a female leadership style or was this always accepted as a leadership style How did, or did you personally make any differences with that as well um, well i think i definitely had a different leadership style than the others uh, at mercedes at that time the uh, the board of management uh, had an initiative it was called leadership 2020 and it was mm -hmm. about creating a new leadership style or new leadership principles for the company because this very strong hierarchy um and And a little bit more the old leadership style, of course, doesn't lead to success in the future. The world is changing. And from time to time, you have to look at that and, and change it or adjust it. And the idea from the board was that each and every division is sending one person, um, no matter which hierarchy level, just one person taking part in that 144 people all over Mercedes. And... Um, Yeah, my leadership team at Mercedes and my boss, they looked at me and said, well, we, we will send you because you're doing it anyway already in, <laughs> in that new way, however we call it. Yeah. And I wasn't, I of course, I saw a difference, but I wasn't really aware of, of it. But I got, of course, the feedback. And, I, and when I was joining this in initiative, I realized very, very quickly that this is exactly how I would like to lead. So yeah. it, it, I think... What we calling maybe nowadays female leadership is very much connected to a general new way of leading people, mm -hmm. and maybe having like, or going away from this like uh, uh, idea or, of how you have to be as a leader, like strong, clear, um, knowing always uh, the best answer, and um, having a clear vision and so on. This is somehow still valid but i think nowadays it's better also to listen to your really skilled employees and together you will always get a better answer than you have in your mind maybe yeah. and yeah I, i think the general change in in the leadership all over the world is probably very much connected to the way how female leaders lead anyways <laughs> how did it change culturally for you when i mean like look in a, in a german way and obviously we're two germans talking here in a german city right now and uh german leadership is all always kind of seen as very direct and um i would not say dictatorial in that sense but in german design is top down you know or in in most cases still up till, until today and then you go to sweden Sweden is a culturally very different, very social, almost like democratic uh, in its way of how to make decisions. 
how did that change your personal leadership style? Did it did it fit in quite nicely actually with what was happening in Sweden? Or let's say in a, in that sense, did you become a bit more German from uh, from 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 where you were going into? And how did the environment of the design department with you know somebody like Thomas, for example, change that as well, or like you know have an effect on that? Yeah, Sweden was uh, was really uh, interesting for me. Uh, it's a beautiful country. Everything is. I, I felt there's not much stress there. The people don't like stress, um, and you have to discuss a lot. So the people want always to come to a common alignment. This is why in Sweden are not like there aren't like laws existing than in in Germany. So everything is an agreement or an alignment between people. And that was a challenge. Honestly, the first weeks I felt like one of my toughest German bosses in my past. I felt like a typical German head of design person. My behavior was so, uh, it was, I, I really had to reflect who I am and how I am. So I, I felt in Germany, I'm, I have like new leadership skills. I'm doing it differently, not the typical old car design guy way of leading but when i arrived in sweden i felt i'm so much um educated <laughs> um like a german design leader and really having a clear vision all these things was always of course if you have a big group of people you have to have a clear vision where, where you would like to go um but in, in sweden i had to be so patient to listen to every voice to every single person and I had to learn a lot then, but I really loved it after a while. I, it changed my perspective a lot. And I have to say the people are very great. If I had a wonderful team there, though it was not a challenge to um, lift them on a next design level because they were really good and skilled designers from a very diverse team, also um, several Swedish people. Um, but of course, you have to you have to accept the the way of working you have to accept the culture and of course there are also situations when in in design people and uh, nearly everyone in sweden close to gothenburg has a boat if they want to bring their boat into the water during summer no one is asking if there's uh, like a board meeting next day so you yeah. are uh, if, if if you are in an unlucky situation and uh, the design team um, has left because of the boat uh, then the head of design or the leadership team, you have to be the intern, the employee and the leader in one person and just prepare the presentation with hopefully some other people who, who stayed in the studio by yourself. So it was, for me, it was good to, to understand that even my ego design thing has grown in Germany. So I could really, uh, again, realize who I am actually and really talking to people in a way that is different. So it teached me a lot. It teached me really a lot. And Thomas Ingenlad is also, I think, I had some conversations with him why the Swedish people love the German design leaders because for the Swedish people, it's tough to make a decision. Yeah. And decision-making is one of my favorite things. I know always what I want and what I like. And this is probably why Thomas is so successful also in Sweden because he has a clear vision. He knows exactly what he wants. And he... Um, understands the brand he's working for and fighting for 100%. And Swedish people love the Germans because they make decisions. Yeah. Has this changed in terms of your mentorship then as well? Like the mentorships that you are seeking from people that also that you're passing on your time in Sweden from what you're seeing right now? Because it's, again, you, it's almost like you're going from 
a German way to a Swedish way. You always go back and forth. And and I think uh, because you also worked in Rivian, the Americans are somewhere in the middle uh, from from that sense as well. Have you have you ever thought about like you know then okay my my mentorship that I give to people and also my leadership has changed drastically in those kind of three four years that you did Sweden and and, and the US to a level where let's say in a German way you don't really feel German leadership anymore in you yeah I I don't feel German leadership anymore that's definitely true this is really interesting very good question um, I think um, I do not think so much anymore about um, the cultural background I think it's more like everything what happens with me during these experiences brought me more back to who I am actually. Mm -hmm. So to, to my own personality. So I'm not so much afraid to do it really my way. And I'm um, more concerned that people feel also comfortable when they're working with me. I think this is something in Germany and the car industry, you're not taking care so much about um, maybe of course your team. I always took care very much about my team, but um with your colleagues same level no one is taking so much care about how you <laughs> feel or if you're happy so you of course you try to achieve a lot together but yeah it's a lot of work and you have a lot of pressure on all these things but i i think now i'm really at a moment where i would say people people i'm working with are very important to yeah. me i'm i'm really caring about people i'm no matter if i would be a leader or just a colleague i just want to help them to be a sparing partner or a coach if they need me so i i think it's more like a, a way of of helping supporting understanding how uh, where people are maybe help them with my experience this is i think more my goal yeah. and i totally see if i talk to especially women they are struggling with some life situations how much pressure they have i i really try to um release them a little bit from from okay. the pressure yeah. because it's I think the, the men have the same pressure, but they are not talking so much about it. Um, at Mercedes, I had some situations where also men told me it's difficult with kids and job and if they go to business travel, but they talk to me, not to each other. It's easier to talk to women about that. And I sometimes I felt that it's a weird situation. But honestly, I think if we can achieve in a society or all over the world that pe people are more open, trust each other more and just try to be um, honest, then you will also get much more support. And yeah. this is something I really had to learn, to really open up and not thinking I have to do everything my own. I was always a person, I thought I have to do everything by my own. I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't expect support from anyone. And this has changed a lot. And I think the experience with Sweden, also with the with the US studio and also working with China, I think Chinese people are very supportive, very yeah. much caring and and I really learned no matter where you are, you will always find people who support you. And this is a trust in life. I really had to learn that. Now, this might be a little bit of a provoking question or provocative question on that side. Do you think that the design departments are actually set up to um, give this support from a leadership perspective as well? Because that's a that, that's that's a really big difference in terms of managing and leading. Yeah, to also have the emotional connection to say like, hey, I'll, I want to take care of my people in that kind of context. That it's not just about the, you know, call it the general kind of get stuff done yeah. uh, uh, from from that side. 
Do you think they're set up or is it still a ma- or like not a massive but a lack of understanding that this way of leadership is existing now and like should be in a in a process? Mm, when I talk to people from different car um, companies and especially design studios, I I hear completely different stories. Mm-hmm. Some of them believe they can continue like like they did, so they just continue the old way um, because they thought it's successful. And honestly, it's tough to change. But I also just recently talked to two uh, head of designs. They said they are probably not in the age anymore to um, have a big change in their own life. But they see that they have to behave differently. They have to change. And they also reflect uh, constantly when they like fall back in their old behavior. This is really interesting. So to, And I think human beings are able to change their behavior yeah. and the way of living and leading and all these things. They can change that always, no matter which age you are. But to say that I have done something for maybe 20 or 30 years in a specific way, and now I realize it's not um, valid anymore. Or I, have, I think I have to adapt it, um, first of all, because I th- maybe see that my team is more satisfied and happy. And I also can make sure that the team is staying together and mm-hmm. not you are not losing people. And also because of you have to be attractive for for new employees and the generation which which comes up. Well, my oldest son is fourteen years old. We yeah. grow well. They grow up in a way that you listen to them. They have their opinion. They feel seen. They want to achieve something. Um, and we protect them. And I see that. Well, I'm also a child of my of my time, of course. And I grew up completely differently. But if you see an intern today, you have to explain them why they should do something, how they should do it, what they should do, and how to support them. They ask a lot of questions. When I was an intern, someone told me, "Okay, this has to be ready by tomorrow morning." I, I worked it. all night and just did it. There yeah. was no question about it. And I think many leaders realize that. So because all, they also have children, they see what's happening and you cannot <laughs> grow up your children like that and expect that your employees are different. So the world is changing. And um, I really appreciate that to see that many leaders are really open to that. And I'm really very excited to see what happens, especially with the German car industry. I think that's probably the challenging thing. Yeah. Um, Sweden, okay, no problem. But um, probably also England is 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 easier because it's it was always a different type of society. But still, there are also some strong leaders who have to adapt their behavior. But Germany will be definitely challenging from my perspective. So let's look ahead into that future a little bit when we talk about these challenges. So um, we know this obviously from the colleagues that run the recruitment side here and. You know, we talk about this internally quite a bit is this wish of increasing the headcount of women within the studios. And when we talk about 10, 15% is where we are right now. And there's this kind of global ambition to be on 25, uh, I think, in the near future. Now, from your perspective, coming into the industry, you know, probably having a few f- f- fights on the way of, you know, getting up, building a, a career out of it as well with family and everything. Do you actually see this as being realistic? Is is it currently attractive enough to work in the car design environment as a designer and not necessarily from a creative perspective, but also from the surroundings that, you know, there is a path for women to be made. There is also the ambition of female leadership of what you've just mentioned to have, 
you know, people in these high-level positions, and let's say not just only within an area of CMF design where it's the most common, but also an exterior, interior, uh, which will obviously take 10, 15 years. I think we need to be honest in this one. But what do you think needs to happen that, you know, this kind of ambition of 25, 30, or even more percent is actually becoming a reality? Because at the moment, it's a wish, but we know probably there's a few things that need to happen there. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I think now the expectation is from HR or also from the board that all divisions are hiring more women in in the automotive industry. But if you're not starting at the very early beginning, there is no woman. So you can also not expect to have a new uh, product, a new car out in one year if you haven't worked already on it like three years ago. So if there's not one point where you say, okay, we have to start with an initiative, we have to go to the schools Or we have to explain that these jobs exist. Of course, a, a little boy sketching cars all day, he will be very much interested in like understanding, is, that a, is there a possibility that my uh, joyful fun here could become a profession later? But well, in, in the design industry, you, you can be a graphic designer in, in the design um, of, of automotive, or you can design parts, you can... You can design interiors. I think also cross-functional design themes are coming more and more. And there's also like design, um, like design development topics or process topics. So it's such a complex thing that I do not think that there is no need, um, for women. So I, no job which couldn't be done by a woman. Um, I think there is not enough information about it. Mm -hmm. I think everyone, maybe even us, we should go more to schools and inform about those options and also giving women the insights that it's not just done or it's not just a job for men. I think this is, this is really important. And I think until now, still, there are these like situations where, where head of designs maybe uh, get less or more bonus if they hire more women. That, I think that will not change anything. If you're just hiring women because they are women, this is more discrimination, honestly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think this is not okay. But on the other hand, maybe giving people uh, an opportunity to start in the design with maybe different skills, that could be something interesting for, for the future. And honestly, I don't think that we need hundreds of guys uh, who are really only good in sketching. Of course, they have also developed other skills during their career. I, I also didn't mix any more uh, colors in, in, in a color toolbox uh, like I did it in my first job. Mm -hmm. I, you always start to become a manager or you, you become a person who has an understanding of maybe, um, I don't know, product management or whatever. So you can always increase your knowledge or, or change the knowledge you have. And I, I think the first difficult thing is to get the women into the design world. Yeah. So this is a, there's still a gap and a big step. So I also studied textile design. I didn't know that those shops in the car industry exist. And maybe the con conversations are not, not enough between universities, schools, or in general. Uh, it's still like this, Club, boys club, I would say. Yeah, I, I also think what we have to be realistic about, you know, what we're seeing in this industry, the role that design plays as well, is not purely a creative role anymore. It's also, you know, about execution. It's about, you know, what we're seeing in general is communication plays a big role, um, Management plays a big role on projects, but management overall as well. 
And there's so many new topics that I think come into play where you can also have people that I would call non-traditional car design people. Yeah. Talking a lot about project management, of course, recently. And I don't see why, you know, a woman that has worked in project management for a very long time couldn't come in and learn how the system of car design works and then really support that function as well. I think it's often what we see is the certain kind of laziness as well. Yeah. And that's maybe not always connected to the gender in itself, but like, you know, allowing somebody to grow in a certain role as well is because of the pressure that often happens, not necessarily the case. Because I think we could actually, if we're really totally serious about it, make plans for more women to come in and bring more also female leadership into play let's say also in design operations uh, on the highest levels, but that would require we need to create an entry level. And I think, you know, you're absolutely right in the educational side, but there are entry levels in the working environment as well that are not really taken seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, I think it's probably a little bit with all topics. It's no matter if it's like the female in, in the design world, um, if you compare it to like new um, topics like AI in design or all these things, it's always like if something is new, to take the step into it is really difficult. And then sometimes they do it a little bit, but then they step back because they think, ah, it's not working. Mm -hmm. We had a bad experience with this or that person or this or that uh, AI software. It's a similar thing, really. And I really, this is why I am really so happy that AI is coming for me. <laughs> so it's so strange because it's a diff different topic, but it's more or less a similar way how the car industry <laughs> is is dealing with that so it's something new or it's just not not used to have something like that and yeah. and and i think it's always this like changing moment is is a very difficult one and i i think people are also especially in the automotive automotive design you are used to have nearly only men around you of course and if you see that every day since generations it's, of course, a little bit irritating if you see suddenly more women. And I think this is just this like changing moment. And if it, I think probably in the fashion industry, it's the opposite way, way around. You have more women and if there's a few men, it's also like irritating. And of course you look at them and say, okay, there's someone who's, who's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's always this moment. And I, I think if you open the doors and you let them in and find the right spot and place for them the world is changing of course and i do not see any role a woman couldn't do i i do not see why a woman should not be interested in car design and honestly if you work in the textile industry it can be very technical and i think what what people really don't understand is that also working in the cmf area we have probably more knowledge about what type of steel you need to make the right tool mm -hmm. for a grain part in the car ask an exterior designer so i would expect a man maybe knowing that no it's not the case so women in cmf have probably more technical understanding of things and sometimes the exterior interior designers who hand over their design in a very early phase and 
CMF design is like following the whole route mm -hmm. and developing materials, having a really good understanding of technology and being also able to find new technologies or new ways of, of um, creating uh, new materials, for example. So why, and then I don't really understand why, why sometimes the situation is like that, that men do not expect women to being able to deal with those topics. Yeah. Is that also because I obviously I know this firsthand because we've been we've been doing some stuff on this together. But I remember when you first started here, you mentioned, "Hey, I want to do a leadership course on like you know female leadership, women in design, and and those kind of things." The story, obviously, that you have told now about yourself, like your career and everything, was was that also one of these reasons why you wanted to do that to give more exposure and give women also the confidence to say, like, "Hey, you can be." you know, as good and you can even be better, uh, to be fair, in that sense, to create something like this, to create a platform which is yeah. really for them. Um, because it might also be, you know, as in every meeting, and this, I think, is not a gender problem, you have more introverts, you have more extroverts in that sense. But when you're just, you know, in a group with yourself, um, you might talk a little bit differently and you might be opening up a little bit more in that sense. Absolutely. I think this is so important. When I... When I thought about becoming a team leader, um, a colleague of mine told me, you have to read the book from Sheryl Sandberg, the COO from now, I think it's called Metaplatform. Yeah, it used now. to be Facebook then, yeah. Exactly. And I did that and I realized that I was stepping into faults like women do. So sitting in a, in a meeting, your boss is asking Uh, I have a good job. If you're doing the job and you're good in it, you have may maybe you you can uh, get the next level or whatever. So you have some new job opportunities. I was thinking about: Am I able to do it? Am I good enough? All these things. And some of my colleagues they just raised their arm, and I thought, well, guys, you are sorry, you can't do it. Why are you saying yes? We we can. And this is so such a strange moment. This is really um, very nicely um, explained in that book. And the book helped me a lot. So I thought it's really good for women to have another female person with some experience to talk about those things. And the husbands also will be happy because they do not have to deal with that at home. <laughs> and I think it's also really important to protect your private life, not having those discussions at home, like I had it several times, but having someone who's really a support for you, where you have a safe space, where you can bring up those things. And uh, it was interesting because sometimes also, for example, men who are deciding to, to go on paternity leave, They don't know what happens if they're coming back. They're dealing with the similar things. There's no real big difference between men and women, but yeah. women are more in the situation that they have more to deal with those situations yeah. today. But it's also changing. And and I, I think it's good for people to, to have support, to have a space where they can talk, to get some advices, to get some someone who is like a sparing partner coaching them in a way that they are really also getting a little bit more... Um, feeling of what they can really reach instead of listening to their bosses or peers who are probably not happy to have another person they have to <laughs> uh, yeah as a like yeah fight for yeah so i think it's it's really important to have the safe space and and there are so many topics popping up and so many things which makes women insecure and and not sure how they how how they should proceed in those situations yeah. 
And I really would like to give women this platform. And, and my dream is definitely to have a 50-50 situation in the design division. And I know 100%, I'm sure, that many of my ex-bosses probably are loving right now because they think this is absolutely unrealistic. But I believe in that. I totally believe in it because I think it's the best that can happen. Because if you have a situation in a leadership team or in a in a in a team where you in a working team and you have nearly 50-50, it's a better team. They are more successful. The behavior, especially of the men, is much better if you have some women in the room. Yeah. And I think it's a nicer way to 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 treat each other to and to to work and talk to each other. And it's also more successful because you have more views. And it's not only men and women. It's also like having people from other cultures. The more diverse it is, especially in design, the better it is. So in a soccer team, you would you are a big soccer fan. You would never question that there are people from like different countries, just the best, best player together. And this is, is, is great. I think this is something we could achieve in the design. And this is something I will definitely... I will definitely invest a lot of time to, yeah. to achieve that. Oh, I, I mean, you know, we when we when we did the design executive forum and we had uh, Steve Hansen there, we we're talking about, you know, a lot of that. So I like these sports metaphors <laughs> quite a bit. Um, it's unfortunately the case that in many design studios, the sports topic is not always <laughs> considered as, um, let's say, a valid argument, just because you know, for a lot of people, it's much more on their own and you know when you do sports and you you learn to you know play with people and in that case work with people that help you to get to a common goal even though you might not have to agree with them all the time it's it's a it's a massive thing to learn you know and uh, and i think just a little anecdote from my end on this one one of the, the big things that really um helped me grow was and i was like i think it was between the age of like 12 and 15 i used to play handball uh, quite a lot and in that age we had two girls playing in our team because they they were just too good to play unfortunately in the girls team in that sense you know they were literally um from a skill level better than i would say 70 80 percent of the team that we've had they were just unbelievably good and uh they both finally went on to play in like you know the first division um back then so uh, and then the female first division so they they had the talent to be there and at first, it was awkward because they had their own locker room and everything, and then you just you met on the pitch. But at some point, you're like, you know, when you're 12, 13, you're like, okay, cool, <laughs> what is happening here right now? But then at some point, you don't make a difference anymore because it just realizes like, hey, they're, they're just really good, and actually they outplay us to such a degree um, that that difference of them being a different locker room doesn't really matter anymore. And it was just about pushing, pushing, pushing and getting onto that kind of next level. And I think... If you've never gone through anything like that, no matter in what stage in your life, you know, it's it's very difficult. And I think in car design in particular, if you understand, you know, you're surrounded by men and then, you know, maybe a woman comes in and says, and you're just like, wow, like, that's actually crazy. Like in terms of quality and everything, the first feeling I think for a lot of people is insecurity rather than acceptance. Um, and that learning function is something that obviously becomes easier and easier by the more women we have in place but if we don't put anybody in place that function will never be there and i think that's in particular in car design like a big a big challenge just to kind of get rid of that um but i, th I think you know there's we see more and more but i do agree that you know, we have to go back into the education uh, from that side yeah and and yeah compared to sports the physics 
are not important for a exactly. designer. So, and this is probably the most difficult thing in sports because there is a point, of course, where male and female physics, of course, are different. And, and because we are different, we are also, of course, sometimes have a different behavior. But in design, I think there is definitely no reason. And the, the crazy thing is that um, if you look into the past, it was always like women are the the creative ones so men are more the like logical yeah. thinking people and more technical and so on and orientated and why why is that changing when it comes to car design why shouldn't women not be creative there so it's not really not not clear to understand and i i heard several times from also um colleagues yeah we're searching for women in design but it's so tough especially in exterior and interior design and if we find a woman um and she's okay then we always have another man who's better honestly there are also a lot of designers who are not on the highest level <laughs> in the design world. I also met some guys who are probably not the best designers, but they are fantastic um, people in a team. They can support team. They think cross-functionally. They think yeah. visionary. So there are so many other skills. And it feels a little bit like, like sometimes women have all still like to have even more skills or prove themselves even better than yeah. men. And I just uh, recently read something in a in a um, newspaper that it's still like it's easier for human beings to hire someone who is similar to yourself, and this also explains probably a little bit why. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's a big learning function. I mean, yeah. you know, I can talk about this for myself, and you know, you always want to have somebody where you just like, hey, I think we should do this, but you think about this from your own perspective. So when you think about this from your own perspective, then obviously you would say like, well, I would want to have somebody with, you know, who could do that for me. But in the end, you always think about, hey, how would I do it and how would I form that? Getting rid of that is not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a typical old way of thinking and leading. And I had that as well. You have your vision. You think you want it to be done in that way, but you have not enough, enough time to do it by yourself. So you need some like people who are exactly doing what you want. It's like you're copying yourself in a way. So that it, it's more or less uh, in the end becoming exactly like you wanted it. It's way more difficult to hire people who speak up, who come up with other ideas that creates a lot of confusion for you as a leader and to deal with that and having this like open mind to accept that and in the end also bring everything again together and bring it to a to to a good end or to to a, to the goal you have expected in a way uh, with like maybe some additional fantastic ideas is much more difficult yeah and to quote on this one like i think from the from the executive forum when i ask uh when i asked steve hansen that kind of question he said why would I hire somebody, you know, who's pretty much like me? Because I'm never going to be satisfied, be satisfied because they're not exactly like me. So it's never going to be exactly on that kind of level. So I'd rather hire people that can give me something that I can't do um, and, you know, show me stuff that I can't do or like that I don't even think about. And um, and I think, again, in terms of leadership, you know, that plays a big role in in terms of the hiring for women, I think, as well, to kind of allow yourself to say like, well they can give me something that I have no idea about. And that has also to do with how you think and, you know, how you maybe grew up in all these kind of things. But you need to make an active direction towards that as well. Otherwise, it's just copy and paste, you know, and we always say copy, paste, no time to waste. But uh, you can waste a lot of time doing that as, um, as well. 
Claudia, before we come to an end, I want to ask two more questions. Um, one of them, I think, is relatively straightforward. The other one might might bring you to to think about it a little bit. But in your career, was there anybody that you know you might have looked, you worked with, or maybe not worked with, that you really looked up and said, like, "Hey, this is somebody who gives me inspiration, somebody that I really constantly want to learn from," and that also was maybe like a leadership. Um, not idol in that sense, but somebody just to, to look up and like, hey, this is a person that I feel really comfortable that I should kind of grow myself into as well or like take certain kind of things from as well. And again, could be somebody you worked with or even from the outside where you say like that would be a good role model that I, I would like to follow. Mm. Yeah, difficult because I I think in each time I was working in those different companies, I think always my head of design was my role model. Um, I was always very much focused on how they do the job. In good and bad? or um, I would say more good. Some things I would have done differently, of course, but this is also learning. But I never looked at them in a way that I was then upset or something like that so um, when I was working with Michael Mauer it was very inspiring for me the way how he sees things how he explains what he sees and how he when I had my I had not so many meetings just alone with him but even in, in board presentations the really the way how he looks at design and, and describes why and what he expects something or what he's seeing was very inspiring for me mm. Um, also Gordon Wagner, he has a very strong vision. He has, was really a very strong leader, I would say. And he gave me the opportunity, um, as a young mom to become a team leader. I honestly do not expect that people know that. <laughs> um, but he's very supportive when it comes, comes to women. I think it's not really him who's like against that, but there are, of course, more people working in design. And it's always a little bit of a difficult situation to really know who's doing what. But I think he always had a strong vision. I think now when I look back to Michael Mauer and Gordon Wagner, I totally see that my leadership style is different, of mm -hmm. course. Um, but probably they have changed as well. I, I, I don't know that. And Thomas Ingelot, of course, I, I really like this. Like he balanced between the very Swedish way, listening to everyone and um, again, making a strong decision and you also Swedish people can be very upset if the decision is different to what they expect, but stay with that decision and show them after a while when the decision was, mm. was correct. I think the most important thing is that you're really self-confident and that you trust yourself. I think a big challenge for all leaders is that they are at a specific moment, maybe too far away from the team or that that might happen or that they um, after a while lose the connection to where they come from. This is really so because you get the ego is also growing mm. very much. And, and this is something I, I really, I really learned. And I think this is something which is challenging for all, especially head of designs or design leaders. Because if you get good, good feedback from the board, if you get good feedback from your team or other departments, well, you can feel very proud of what you've done. And they can, the people I, I talked about, they can be really very proud of what, what they did. Um, it's a, I, I can imagine it's a big challenge for them yeah. to, to really, uh, again, step back, say, who am I? I have to reflect what I'm going to do next. 
and not feeling like everything everything I'm doing is the best. Yeah. Because this is not the case. All, each and every product you're starting is new. No matter if you're a young designer or if you're head of design, you always have the challenge again and again. And this is very difficult and it's exhausting. And to go through that again and again <laughs> with the team, motivate everyone is, is a tough job, honestly. And I, I think to have the time to reflect who you are and that you're not like, yeah, your, your ego is growing too much. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. Last question. If a young student, female student in particular, um, comes up to you now and is like, well, I would like to get into this car world or I'm interested in it, what advice or tip would you give them to start their career? Um, definitely work hard because that is expected and needed for men and women in the car industry learn a lot listen to everyone and especially talk to the older people in the <laughs> design world because even if they do not believe that it's a place for women you will learn a lot you have you will have you need a good skill set and i would also say really trust trust yourself don't let you push into a corner where you do not belong to and um, speak up and if speaking up means that you have to leave a company then there's another place for you yeah never be afraid fearless i think this is something i definitely learned from all of my ex-head of designs is be fearless and think big think big is great <laughs> <laughs> claudia thank you very much Uh, it's been absolute pleasure. Always, it's, and I do have to say, it's nice to sit across from each other. As much as it's okay with the, uh, you know, the digital recordings and everything, it's a much better kind of conversation um, to be had. But uh, thank you very much for being part of the the series and the season. And to all the listeners of the Gestalten Podcast, thank you very much once again for giving you, uh, well, you know, giving us your hour of listening to that as well. And we will be back very, very soon with the next episode and uh, in, well, the next episode in the season for the Gestalten podcast called Women in Design. Thanks very much for listening and see you very, very soon.